Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Pedro Severino, triple dongs. Two other players, double dong last night. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. We're going to recap all the Tuesday action and try to grade some trades as well. Your email's at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I'm Adam Azer. Chris Towers is back after ditching me yesterday. Uh, what's up with that, Chris? I don't think I ditched. Yeah, exactly um, what happened. I, I had a doctor's appointment that I had been putting off for... In quotes. Like a month. Uh-huh. I think my original appointment was like May 10th. And so I finally reached the point where I would have either had to go or find a new doctor. Are you okay? Uh, so Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, it was just, uh, it's, you know, it's, you know, just just go to the doctor sometime. Sure, fair enough. Do you, though? <laughs> when it's only Adam yes. and Chris on this show, I, of course. Uh, so I should, too? I mean, I'm not a doctor. You can't so tell me I that I should? I can't answer that question, okay. unfortunately. Good. I can, Good. you should, yes, you should. Okay. okay, Andrew McCutcheon's out for the season, Jay Bruce. Oh, oh I forgot, he double-donged, too. That's three doubles and one triple-dong. From last night, how about that? Uh, we'll talk about the Philly situation, who might be replacing Andrew McCutcheon, and who you could add as a replacement if you need an outfielder. It is, of course, Worryometer Wednesday, and Paul DeYoung is in a brutal slump right now. He'll be on. <laughs> He's three for his last 40. Uh, we'll talk about him. We'll talk about Blake Snell, Noah Syndergaard, Chris Paddock, Max Fried, and uh, a lot more. Let's get to the Tuesday standouts. Let's start with Pedro Severino. Baltimore's catcher, 7% owned. Uh, Yesterday, he was the number 21 catcher in fantasy. Now he is the number 16 catcher in fantasy. (laughs) It it wasn't that big of a jump. He doesn't play that much, but he actually had an 835 OPS on Tuesday morning, and now it's a 937 OPS. He's having a pretty good year. He, he, He doesn't play as much as a lot of regular catchers, but... He does play more. He than doesn't any play other. that much. He doesn't. He plays more than any Baltimore catcher. I'll say that. Uh, give me your take on Pedro Severino. He's a catcher who's doing stuff. Um, he hit three home runs last night, and I didn't notice until I read the notes this morning. <laughs> Are you kidding? And he's kind of doing stuff. Like he's fine. He does not play any work close to every day, which catchers don't. But he doesn't play as much as the normal catcher. He's played. Three starts in the last week, I think. Um, what I said in the waiver wire column after your notes alerted me to the fact that he hit three home runs <laughs> was at the very least you could speculate on him in a two-catcher league. But I don't think you're like picking him up thinking, okay, I found my second catcher in a two-catcher league. I do want to point out, one, I, I think he's more like a sixth. Like where he was ranked 16th. He's ranked 16th now. He was 21st before. I think that's an okay range for him, but... That also means that he could be a week away from being the 30th ranked catcher. That's just kind of the the deal with that position. But most importantly, I do want to point out that uh, there was a bit of a discussion last night. Scott White was getting some criticism for uh, not being prepared for podcasts. And I think that was a little unfair. Uh, And I just want to point out that Heath is usually the one doing the criticism. And here we are. I didn't even know Pedro Severino. Hit three home runs. <laughs> um, Turnabout's only fair play, Heath. 
Yeah, no, no I criticize Scott for no not knowing about yourself. the segments that we do every single week. No need to defend yourself. Um, but yeah, I definitely should have known that Pedro, but I did know it before the show started. No, you didn't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> literally, I wrote this before the show started, so obviously I knew it. But five five seconds before the show started, basically. Right. Uh, um, I don't need more than five seconds to process Pedro Severino. Fair enough. Let's read that critical tweet. Uh, oh, is it is it no longer available? I didn't. I didn't send any no, no, not yours. Night. Not no, yours. No, no, no. The well, guy I wasn't even drinking. There's the no, guy, no chance it was me. The guy who was ripping us. It was. It was uh, your burner account. It was oh, really okay. funny. I I don't think it's available anymore. He's like, don't listen to the CBS Fantasy Baseball podcast. They are wrong all the time. Go somewhere else. And that of course, and we are wrong all the time. Everyone that talks about this sport is wrong all the time. That's the way this job works. Not a not a bad not a bad point. Of course, I wrote this is what happens when two guys on our show say that Butterfinger is good. So I blame Chris and Scott. Okay. Excuse me. Excuse me. Three of the four people on this show think Old Town Road is bad. So that's really what he's it's talking about. Definitively bad. In fact, we're taking our family to Orlando, and there is a place there called Old Town that has like some old- probably some roads. Um, probably. Yeah. Uh, like arcade stuff and the car shows and it's a it's a fun cheap thing to do when you're not spending five million dollars everywhere else and i was like i don't know they're probably going to be playing that song i don't (laughs) probably gonna have some wrangler on your booty i don't want to go all right guys so this is actually this is why people don't like our show um so pedro (laughs) strope is my next standout 49 percent owned i love it i mean he comes off the il first appearance in right around a month and he gets to save for the cubs is this a Hector Neris situation where, hey, we're not sure if he's the closer, but it turns out he's pretty much the closer, and Hector Neris is now owned in like 85% of leagues. Pedro Strope is 49% owned. Does, does Pedro Strope deserve to be, you know, getting close to that 80% range? It's hard to say after one outing, but it's a very good sign for Pedro Strope. It was, um, it was a three-run game. So I, I don't know he didn't how even much strike anybody out. He, well, I just I, I actually don't know how much we can take away from it. I'm trying to see who was coming up for the Rockies. He pitched. It was he got something like the top of the, of the lineup. He, I keep, here's he's like almost every other closer. He's must own in a categories league, and you probably don't need him in a points league. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Like, if he's the closer for the Cubs, then you do need him in a points league. You know. If he's going to get right. 85% of the saves for the Cubs, then you need him in a points league. You know, Maybe. like like if you're a Luke Jackson owner, there's a good chance K- Craig Kimbrell is going to get signed by the by – the, there's a decent chance he gets signed by the Cubs, I guess. But, you know, if you are nervous about your closer situation, keep an eye on Pedro Strope. My next standout, my last one, I'll turn it over to you guys, then we'll talk about McCutcheon in just a bit, is Pablo Lopez. Just so much inconsistency, but when he's good, he's really good. This was at Milwaukee. The Mighty Marlins won 16 to nothing. Lopez, six <laughs> shutout innings <laughs> with seven strikeouts. He still has a 452 ERA, but I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we like about Pablo Lopez. And he's only 38% owned. Uh, made his first of two starts this week. He gets Pittsburgh next week. Who's excited about Pablo Lopez? Gonna take you, my horse to the old town road. All right, sorry. No, no, it's awful. You know that I did put Pablo Cito in the waiver wire column. Uh, he is so much fun to watch. Control has been very good this year. The ground ball rate's good. The strikeouts are okay. The peripherals are a little bit mixed on him. I don't think he has, like, Caleb Smith 
breakout or Lucas Giolito breakout coming, but I do think he should be owned in more than 32% of leagues. Um, and I own him in a couple of 12 team points leagues. I started him in one this week. So yeah, I, he's definitely under owned. Yeah. I think he's going to be likely a sub four ERA guy moving forward with pretty good strikeout numbers. And that's going to, I mean, you're probably not going to get many wins. That's true of everyone on the Marlins. And so that limits the ceiling. He's, but I think he can be a top 60 or top 50 type of starting pitcher moving forward. The Marlins do not have the worst record in baseball, it should be noted. The Orioles do. Would you rather have Lopez or actually a decision I had to make yesterday, Zach Plezak? Lopez. Yeah, Lopez. Okay, I had made the other decision. <laughs> Plezak's still only 28%. Owned. Like, like if you started Devin Smeltzer or Chase Anderson in their two start weeks, you drop them and you pick up Lopez or Plezak, I'd say, right? Make that swap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Would you rather have Pablo Lopez or Nick Pavetta? Lopez. Uh, Pavetta did actually make some interesting changes in this one start, but it was only one start. He he actually, when he was behind in his count, in the count, he threw his fastball less than 50% of the time, which is, it's usually around 70% fastball usage when he's behind in the count, so... That's a promising sign. I think they're very similar. I think Pavetta probably has a little more upside. Are you going to pick one? I just said Pavetta has a little more upside. Okay. That that doesn't always mean that's the guy you go with. No. Yeah. No. 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 It's, no. Right? It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, okay. No. Standouts for you guys. Who you got? There's a, there were a lot last night. Like I thought, felt like there were a lot of very important happenings in baseball. Um, I'll start with Garrett Cooper, who had just a monster night at the plate and has actually been very good since the Marlins called him back up. And I just I, I wrote about it today. I think it's interesting because he was so good at AAA. His minor league track record, very good. He's had a lot of injury problems, has a pretty good batted ball profile, and makes enough contact. I think he's interesting as a corner infielder, and he's just 11% owned. I have a segment called Miami Now Has Three Hitters with an OPS Over 800. And Garrett Woo! Cooper's one of them. Harold Ramirez is another one. He's batting 370 with a 109 ISO. One home run, no steals in 19 games for Harold Ramirez. Harold Ramirez. A ton of singles. I, I get mad every time I see Harold Ramirez's name in a box score because I see H. Ramirez and I think yes, the Marlins brought Hanley back. This is going to be so much fun. No, they, they haven't brought Hanley, Hanley home. No. Uh, Harold Ramirez hit well in AAA this year. He was a former top 100 prospect. He's got a little speed but I don't think there's enough power there to to be more than an NL only guy. I do think um, Jorge Alfaro is a top 12 fantasy catcher in like a Mike Zunino kind of way like the good year, Mike Zunino. And I do think Eric Cooper is interesting, you know, not in anything more than like a five outfielder league. I'm not even sure in like a 12 team league, you should be adding him, but anything deeper than that, I, I do think there's pretty good contact skills and enough power. Would you look at that graphic fishing for offense with a question mark? I mean, this is strong stuff. Our video team's really bringing it lately. Please watch our video, by the way, go to uh, YouTube YouTube.com. Search for CBS Sports and you'll find our full-length shows. You can also see VODs on our website, www.cbsports.com. 
Um, okay, so uh, yeah, the three Marlins with an OPS over 800 are Garrett Cooper, Harold Ramirez, and Jorge Alfaro. And Cooper and Ramirez are widely available. Alfaro, I think, is 59% owned, and I think we basically summed up the uh, hitting stallions for today. And then there, there was another hitter who had a pretty good game, but I did not realize how incredibly hot he had been. Ramon Laureano, who has been spectacular with the glove and the arm most of the year. But it kind of looks like his bat's starting to catch up a little bit. He homered and stole a base on Tuesday. He's got a 15-game hitting streak that includes 12 extra base hits. Hmm. Yes. and He's, and, he's you young know, enough and prospecty enough. At 27% owned, at the very least, he should be owned in all five outfield league. Uh, wh- but he was terrible before this streak. You know, the the article that I read, the AP recap, said he had a 17-game hitting streak, and I didn't think that was true. So, he, thank you for confirming it is, in fact, I, a 15 It might game. be 16. I well, maybe we're both wrong. I think it's 15. I think it's 15. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's good, and it's three home runs in his last five or six, ga- six games, a ton of doubles for Laureano. So, would you rather have Jay Bruce or Ramon Laureano? Laureano. Really? Um, I think I'd... Yeah, I think I'd rather have. What you and I like like if you just look at Loriano, what he's done in the major league so far. He's played 108 games. He's got a 274 average with 13 home runs and 12 steals. Yeah, like, I suppose if you need steals. How how valuable is Kevin Kiermaier? Is he better than Kevin Kiermaier? I don't. I think that there's we haven't seen him fail as much as Kevin Kiermaier, right? I don't think Kevin Kiermaier's failed that much. He just hasn't been able to stay. He has failed to stay healthy, yes. for sure. But he's in nothing. He um he he's he's such he's a, a pretty he, good player. He's a jag. Well, I mean, when you factor in his defense, he's a he's a very good. player. No, no. I mean, for fantasy, like if you look at it's like 150 game pace, and he never plays 150 games, but he's been like a 2020 guy, I think. Right, so, but it's like the least. Impact I'm just not sure Loriano has much more upside than that. Uh, Loriano had a 6.30 OPS before this hitting streak, you know. Or 633 mm-hmm. OPS for the hitting streak. So that's he had why. an 830 OPS last year. True. Okay. 27% own. Uh, Chris, I'm not going to let you do a standout. Sorry. We have time to talk about other players. We'll get to them later. Smooth transition. Injuries, news, and notes. Andrew McCutcheon out for the season with a torn ACL. Pretty interesting where he ranked with at the end of his season. 14th in points. At outfield, 34th in Roto. Uh, but just leading off for a great lineup, getting on base all the time, able to compensate for a low batting average, only two steals. Uh, so, you know, a, a good year for him in points leagues, in Roto leagues where it doesn't, where OBP doesn't count. You know, he was fine. So, Jay it's, Bruce... It's a tough. It's tough. He was a very useful player. He was yep. someone you didn't really have to think about... That's true. ...sitting yep. at any point. Uh, Jay Bruce is... He started yesterday. He sat against the lefty. He started against the righty in his two games of Philadelphia. If you take a look at our, our video here, you've got sort of what's going on with the Phillies. Adam Hazley uh, got called up. Scott Kingery, he can play the outfield. He played third base yesterday. Nick Williams was sent to AAA. And Roman Quinn is on the IL with a groin injury. Uh, so, so internally, what do you see the Phillies doing now with McCutcheon out for the season? I would think Scott Kingery plays pretty much every day um, somewhere. And he pretty much has been, I think, since coming back from the DL. He's 
capable of playing short, second, third, outfield. Um, Hazley, from what I've been able to gather reading scouting reports, he's kind of like a fringy defensive center fielder, so not necessarily an upgrade over Kingery, the converted infielder. And I don't know if he, if he has either enough pop or enough speed to really matter much for fantasy. I would wager that it's more likely that he is back in the minor leagues than that he is fantasy relevant. Yeah, the, the one thing I will say, and we've talked about this a lot with prospects who come up who have a really good contact profile, and he, you know, 154 strikeouts in 223 games, career 293 hitter in the minors. I think you can probably say that's a good contact profile. Those guys tend to outperform expectations as far as power, but I still think you're probably looking at more of like an 18 to 20 homer guy over the course of a full season at his peak. And that just doesn't sound all that interesting. I think Kingery has more potential because he has the potential to be a power speed. guy. Okay. Not so interested in Hazley interested in Kingery's 39% owned. And uh, who's a better guy to speculate on right now, Kingery or, or Loriano? I think Kingery. Mm. I think he has a more interesting profile for fans. Heath side. Yeah, I, I mean, Loriano's probably been better over the last two years. But wow. Kingery does have a lot more eligibility. And Kingery's been better this season. I mean, it's been limited, but it's 92 plate appearances now, but 944 OPS. And, you know, a lot of the batted ball data does back it up at least to a certain extent. You know, 291 expected batting average, 461 expected slug. That'll definitely play. And he's a guy who, you know, might have 25 to 30 steal potential. Okay. Uh, trade targets that the, that the Phillies could consider. Do you think maybe that they bring in an outfielder? I think Jim Bowden gave us some trade targets. Former GM who works for CBS Sports, and he's on HQ all the time. Make sure you're watching HQ. Uh, Kevin Pillar, Gerard Dyson, Yasiel Puig. That'd be fun. Billy Hamilton, Manuel Margot, Tony Kemp, Michael Taylor, uh, and Delino DeShields, who started yesterday and stole a base. Maybe he's being showcased a little bit. So you know what? We're going to have to do fantasy analysis here. Just keep an eye. Some of these guys might be on the move. The Phillies certainly could add an outfielder, and they probably need to at this point. Miguel Cabrera is going to DH exclusively due to some some changes Excuse me, in his knee, and he DH'd yesterday and hit a grand slam off Blake Snell. Uh, Brian Dozier left after being hit by a pitch on the arm. Giancarlo Stanton hit in a simulated game. The Yankees apparently like Dallas Keuchel. Would that be a good or a bad landing spot for Dallas Keuchel? I think it'd be fine. Fine. A lot yeah. of wins. Not good. Not the greatest park, but get being a ground ball pitcher. Right, in the, right in the middle of the possible options. Buster Posey could be back today. The Astros send Corbin Martin to AAA. Framber Valdez is going to replace him in the Houston rotation. Your interest level in Framber Valdez? Six in the interestometer. <laughs> now how does that uh how does that correlate to the adometer? Uh it's, uh you that would be like a three on the adometer. I'm okay. interested it's like double of what the adometer would be. So Plezak or Valdez? I think Plezak. I think so, yeah. Okay. Plezak and thank but you. But I'd rather have Valdez than Smeltzer. Right. 
Yeah, Smeltzer was pitching well yesterday, and I was kind of annoyed because I just like don't want to have to deal with picking him up because I, I didn't really believe in him. And then he gave up four home runs, and I was uh, I was pretty happy. Or he gave up, I think, three more home runs. I was happy. Uh, Gregory Polanco has sat two straight games and five of Pittsburgh's last 11 games, so that is certainly something to keep an eye on. With Gregory Polanco, it's getting harder and harder to be patient with him. Mets news, Jeff McNeil's off the IL. Dominic Smith pinch hit yesterday. He's not 100% healthy yet, but hopefully back in the lineup today. And Robinson Cano could be back any day. And I do think we got a serious logjam there with the way Dominic Smith was playing. Now McNeil led off yesterday. Todd Frazier's been good. So Cano should be back soon. We'll see what the Mets decide to do. Mickey Calloway apologized. Oh, that was so funny. I was watching that game, and they took out Noah Syndergaard, and Noah Syndergaard cursed like seven times. And the cameras were just like, yeah, we know he's going to be dropping the F word here, and we'll just let it go. And uh, the move backfired. They, they may have lost the game because of it. Mickey Calloway apologized for it, and his, t- his team seemed to actually sort of rally around him for doing that. Adam Jones, I mean, what? they gave up t- six runs in the 10th inning. Yeah, but they would. It's hard they, to they bl- like blew the lead in they that inning. Have been in the tenth if they'd left Thor in. Probably I don't true. Think that's I think that's true. To be true, the bullpen pitched really well until the tenth inning. Not when they took no. In that inning, the run scored right after they took Syndergaard out. Like he left with a runner on base. They took him out after 103 pitches, I believe, and two outs in the inning. They bring in a reliever, tie game. So that you know they probably mm. lost because of that move. Adam Jones, well. he was pitching. He's on the worryometer. Adam Jones left with hamstring tightness. Wade Davis should be back soon. Alex Reyes has yet to be cleared to swing a bat, but he is still expected to start as a pitcher. Uh, maybe as soon as this weekend, Alex Reyes. Mitch Moreland could be back this week, and Hunter Dozier could be back in about a week as Hunter Dozier is on the injured list. Worryometer Wednesday. That's coming up right after this break here on Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be right back. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Such worry warts here on Fantasy Baseball today, especially on Wednesdays. It's Worryometer Wednesday. I got five players, four of them pitchers. Here we go. Zero to ten. Zero. Not worried at all. No problem. Ten. Oh, huge problem. Be very concerned. Paul DeYoung is first up, leading off on the Worryometer. He is three for his last 40 with five walks to 12 strikeouts. That's not so bad, but no extra base hits. Uh, yikes. 283 OPS in his last 11 games before going one for four yesterday. Zero to 10 on Paul DeYoung. I don't know what, like, I don't think anybody else should be worried about him because no one else thought he was actually as good as he was. Um, I'll put him as a three because I did move him into my top, uh, nine shortstops 
And I've got a little bit of concern that he falls back into that uh, 14 or 15 range. But like the swinging strike rate really had, it's not like he just started swinging and missing a bunch. I mean, his strikeout rate is up to 25% during this stretch, which is it is closer to where it had been before the start of this season. And I think but the swinging strike rates below where it's ever been. Okay. Which is I also mean, weird for during this stretch yeah, or okay. 9.7%. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not striking out that much. I mean, for, for a no, crazy he's not slump. striking out an alarming amount. For a crazy he's slump. also not doing anything else. No, it's, it's been a, it's been a bad stretch. I don't, I don't know why. Paul DeYoung is now 10th in points, 14th in Roto at shortstop. Wow, what's so weird about Paul DeYoung is that like he's supposed to be bad in points and good in Roto, but he's walking so much this year. Well, like what's really weird, and he's had some luck in terms of how many runs he scored, and that's because he's not gotten on base for the last two weeks kind of changed. But what's really weird is one of my reasons for liking Paul DeYoung coming into this year is because he's hitting third in that lineup between, behind Carpenter and Goldschmidt. He's got 26 RBIs with like an 850 OPS hitting third behind Carpenter. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it does when you consider how how disappointing Carpenter and Goldschmidt have been, I guess. Does he he bats third or he bats second? Yeah, I think you're right. He bats third. Uh, both. Right? That's, uh, yeah, last four games batting second. Before that, batting pretty much third. Um, All right, so did you give a number, Chris? No, I would say... Three for the general population, six for Heath. I don't think he's taking like a huge step forward. I think most of his bad ball metrics suggest he's pretty close to who he's been. Um, and now that the strikeout rate's regressing a little bit, I think my expectation for him moving forward is he'll be the guy he's been the last couple of seasons. And that's probably someone in the 12 to 15 range of shortstop moving forward. So now that one of them is hot and one of them is cold, would you rather have Corey Seager or Paul DeYoung? I will stick with DeYoung for now. Uh, I, yeah, I think I would ha- rather have DeYoung still. Okay, Glaber Torres or Paul DeYoung? Glaber. DeYoung. Glaber still has games against the Orioles left. Not that many. Blake Snell is next up on the worryometer. Six runs and four and a third. Okay. Not even a Move top on. 30 starting. Zero, Chris? Um, if you were drafting him as one of the six or seven best pitchers in fantasy, you should be a little worried because he's not been that. Um, but I think he'll be fine moving forward. Yeah, I think he's going to be like a low three ZRA guy. Yeah, I just want to so, say two, three. He pretty much Blake Snell never goes more than six innings. Rarely goes more than six innings. He has yep. two starts all year of more than six innings. No more than 104 pitches in any start. So that is interesting. Yep. So if you were redrafting today, when would you take Blake Snell knowing that like best case scenario is probably like a 185 inning pace? 10? 5. Noah Syndergaard. Look, it wasn't a bad start. He gave up three runs in six and two thirds. One of them with the bullpen gave up, as we already mentioned. Uh, but the strikeouts have been down lately. So he had a 28, well, let's do some math, 32 strikeouts now in 39 innings in his last six starts. Uh, that's weird. Zero to 10 on Cindergard. I'm roughly this. I'm three, probably. Um, Two. Okay. Maybe three. Yeah. I, I have some actual concern about Cindergard, but not much. All right, 
Syndergaard or Zach Greinke? Greinke, yeah, pretty easily. Okay, Syndergaard or Hyunjin Ryu? Hyunjin Ryu is the the <laughs> toughest pitcher to answer any question about right now because what's the argument against him at this point? Like on a per inning basis, he's been the best pitcher in baseball for well over a year. Today is my uh, weekly rankings update day, and I have to each week decide, okay, how high am I going to move Ryu now? And I think I've settled on 12th at starting. Yeah, like what what would be the possible case against him being a top 12 pitcher? I I don't feel like that's right. Um, I no, I've got a case. He has not thrown more than 126 innings since 2014. Sure. And but, the strikeouts are down for Ryu now, too. He had 17 ground balls to three fly balls yesterday, but only two strikeouts. I don't think this, the strikeouts might not be down that much because he has a .8 whip. And what, what do you mean? Yeah, his K percentage is down slightly. He's facing few Because he's been so good, he's facing fewer batters per inning, which lowers oh. the K per nine. Okay. His strikeout rate's down slightly, but it's still well above average. Okay, but it's getting worse, I think. Like, he was striking out a lot more guys in April, and now in May and into the first start of June, Ryu not stri- kind of going back to before last season, he wasn't really a strikeout per inning guy. You know, Ryu seems to be back to that mode. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like I it's getting make worse. The, I could make the argument for him as high. Like, the guys that I have him right behind that I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't think I could put him ahead of Grinky. Um, Bauer and Strasburg. I'm really struggling with. Yeah. Why over Strasburg? I mean, Strasburg's been great. Other than Ryu's last been night. a lot better. A lot better. And Strasburg was bad again last night. No, Strasburg was bad last night. He had not been bad for a really long time. He was a top five starting pitcher going into last sure, but night. Ryu's been better. Actually, like maybe he wasn't not ranked that as much high better. Ryu is third in points, and Strasburg is fourth in points. Now it is a it is a pretty big gap. It's twenty one points different. But I just want to bring that up. Like, Strasburg got off to a bad start, and he's actually one spot behind Hyunjin Ryu in points. Lee. But Stra- Strasburg's probably made three more starts or two more starts. Oh, I'm, you know guess. what? That was going into yesterday. I apologize. Yeah. That was going into yesterday. Yeah, so, I would I would imagine Strasburg's made at least two more starts because Ryu did have that uh, IL stint. Oh, he's, I think he's innings are the only concern with him. 60 points better than Strasburg. But Strasburg's still the number four starting pitcher in fantasy. Justin Verlander is the only guy ahead of Ryu. All right, let's move on, guys. Let's move on. Chris Paddock on the Worryometer. Chris Paddock, three of his last four starts, pretty bad. I don't think, no matter what happens this weekend, if he pitches this weekend, I, I, you know, sometimes they move the rotation around. I'm not going to start him at Colorado next week, but 0-10 to 10 on Chris Paddock. Six? Like, this is really three of his last four starts that have been subpar if the expectation he's in is that he's a near ace. So I, I think as short as his track record is, his track record's dominant no matter where he's pitched, but as short as that track record is, three out of four a subpar starts is enough to get me worrying a little bit. It's not just subpar. Yeah, I mean, I th- they're really bad. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's more a sign that he's not quite an ace yet. You know, even on a perning basis, which was what we might have hoped for. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of us, myself included, I think expected. And so that's a disappointment. I think you're worried. You're like a seven if you thought, man, this guy's going to be, you know, Steven Strasburg level good. 
when he's starting. That's probably not going to be. Like, I think the guys you compare him to now, um, that I had him ahead of all of them last week, and it, that was before his most last two starts, um, Brandon Woodruff, Lucas Giolito, Mike Soroka. And I think I'd have to put him behind all those guys. Well, for sure, I think I think, so. I think Giolito for me would be, yeah. Uh, yeah, Paddock, because like, Giolito goes like seven, eight innings, it seems like every start. Paddock, you just you really but, can't get but that. But again, we don't, like, Giolito has been phenomenal, and I've, most of my worries about him are gone. But we don't, it's not like we have a longer history of Lucas Giolito being good than Chris Paddock. We've got much longer track record of pitching, but most of that he was bad. But he's been better this season. Yes. Paddock, maybe you could say regression was coming. I would say the schedule got really tough. His bad starts have been at the Dodgers, at the Yankees, home against the Phillies. And he still has a 297 ERA. And he'll either be facing Washington this weekend or if they bump him, you know, an extra day, which they do, uh, he'll have San Francisco on the road uh, in his next start, which would be preferable. Last guy on the worryometer is Max Freed. He now has a 368 ERA. This is two bad starts in a row. He settled in after giving up five runs, I think, in the first two innings. But yeah, it's a little worrisome. Max Freed, zero to ten. I never moved Freed higher than forty in my rankings, and so maybe that's why I don't feel as worried about him. But that the thing that does concern me is. As recently as like six weeks ago, the Braves thought of him as their most likely long reliever. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that it takes very many struggles. They've got like 18 arms in AAA that are ready to come take a shot at the majors. I don't I don't know that his rotation spot's secure. I'll say five. And he is a guy who hasn't exactly thrown a ton of innings. It looks like 128 is his high for a season. He's coming off 111 last year so it's hard to say exactly how how much longer he's gonna go i i think he's probably more in the pablo lopez category max freed okay all right that's the worryometer let's take another break here on fantasy baseball today when we come back a lot of hitters we're talking about a lot of hitters coming up guys like yasiel puig and matt carpenter who homered yesterday uh, Francisco Lindor and Framel Reyes, who homered twice yesterday. Three outfielders, uh, well, uh, four outfielders if you include Ramon Laureano, we already talked about him, that you might want to consider adding right now. That's coming up after this break on Fantasy Baseball Today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Let's check in on some of the youngsters around Major League Baseball in a segment I like to call Checking In on the Youngsters. 
Chris, you're young. Do you want to lead this segment? You're like 24 I'm or something. 31 years old, Adam. I'm like three years younger than Scott. You're middle-aged. I'm I'm middle management. <laughs> you know? Like, can we show some some respect? I'm I'm in my It's th- a compliment I'm for goodness sake. Deep into Jeez. my 30s. Yeah, okay, fine. Deep into my 30s. You by the way, Chris was uh, defending Nickelback on Twitter last night. Checking in on the youngsters, Austin it's Riley. Not untrue. Yeah, Austin Riley. He has four walks this year. Three of them have come in the last seven games. That's cool. But he homered again. Nine homers. Uh, and I, I told you yesterday that he got off to the hottest start basically for any rookie joining Trevor Story and Carlos Delgado in the like super hot rookie start uh, home, with terms of home runs. And both those guys, like Story, like I said, he was sort of saved by Coors Field. Delgado was terrible after his hot start. Riley just keeps on chugging. So, you know, maybe... Maybe the best thing to do here is look at this group, right? Um, there are two guys who are kind of waiver wiry, and that would be uh, that would be Clint Frazier and Kevin Biggio. So we'll we'll separate them. I think Brendan Rodgers, by the way, at this point, you, you know, playing time's uncertain. The performance hasn't been very good. He didn't even make this cut. But not saying you should completely give up on him. But you know, uh, Riley Senzel, Nick Senzel, since debuting on May third, is the number eight second baseman in points, number nine in Roto. Uh, Eloy Jimenez has been horrible. Victor Robles, I would say pretty droppable in points leagues, and he's 95% owned, so he's obviously owned in, in most points leagues. And Michael Chavis is super cold, batting 233 with a 389 slugging percentage and 32 strikeouts in his last 28 days with only uh, five extra base hits. So, all right, we got uh, the, th- the guys I want to talk about right now, Riley Senzel, Eloy, Robles and Chavis. Heath, why don't you talk about this group as a whole? You know, who's looking good? Who's looking bad? What do you think going forward? Go ahead. Well, I think Austin Riley is looking good, and I think Eloy Jimenez is looking bad. Um, how's that? No, Nick Senzel <laughs> has been really very solid, especially considering that he's second base eligible. And that maybe is one that's gone under the radar. I think everyone knows that Riley's been incredibly hot and I think most of us can agree that he's not going to be this good I agree with what Scott White wrote Scott's about him Twitter mentions do not agree with I that. agree with what Scott wrote about him and Chris did make me think of Melvin Gordon what did um, he write what did Scott write Scott wrote he's the, the ultimate sell high. ultimate sell high and Chris and I three years ago called Melvin Gordon the ultimate sell high exact same words and it's like it's better during these moments for your um, mentions to just say nothing and wait, but we're here to try to provide guidance and I would try to sell high on Austin Riley. Yeah. Like this is one of those things where you realize how little nuance people actually want because obviously Austin Riley isn't going to be as good as he has been moving forward. That should be uncontroversial. Saying he's a sell-high candidate doesn't mean you're saying he's bad. It's just like Trevor Story after that first 14 games or whatever it was was a pretty good fantasy option. He was like an 840-850 OPS guy. Yeah, but but again, that was that was really thanks to Coors Field. Michael Chavis would be a pretty bad case scenario for Austin Riley because Chavis at one point was the number one third baseman in fantasy since his call-up, and he's been pretty bad since then. Um 
you know, I, I don't. Does Austin Riley go that route? It's possible with his plate discipline. I mean, it is possible right. that he just goes that route. I can't. He is the best sell high candidate in baseball, in fantasy baseball. But if you hang on to him, doesn't mean you're going to have a bad player. I I think like an interesting question because they're both rookies. It's another youngster that Adam's not checking in on currently, but I'm going to pull him into the conversation Bring because him I'm looking at my third base rankings. And if you had Austin Riley and somebody else had Vlad Jr. Would you trade Austin Riley for Vlad Jr.? In a second. I would rather have Vlad. I think I would rather have Vlad. I'm not (laughs) sure why you would make that trade. Yeah, Uh, you you should get something else. In a categories league, I agree with you. Actually, I'm not sure that the points league, I I think Riley could just be not worth starting in a points league once this little show ends. I don't think that the Vlad owner would do that. Like... I, I, I mean, Vlad's been downright bad, right? Uh, In terms of fantasy production? On a scale of uh, Austin Riley to Eloy Jimenez, he's been Vladimir Guerrero. <laughs> right in the middle Which there. is not Eloy Jimenez. That, 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 that told me absolutely nothing. I know. Uh, he's not... I don't think he's been terrible. They're... they're he hasn't lived up to the expectations we put on him. And, you know, like a 771 OPS is definitely not bad. And he appears to have a pretty low BABIP. So, no, I, I don't think you're too concerned about Vladimir Guerrero. He's clearly a more talented player than Austin Riley. That should be uncontroversial. And so I hesitate to say that I would do that trade just because I don't like trading position to position anyway it seems like you're you have to really win that trade you, you can can't do just better like come out slightly ahead like, like get a get yeah you can do better for austin riley because obviously vlad there are concerns right he's a rookie they're not long what about manny machado here. yeah i take machado you wouldn't we're gonna have to really have a discussion about manny machado i'm not sure manny machado is good we've had a discussion okay yes, okay, he's good. okay. Yeah. calm down we've had a discussion about machado i would take machado over riley would you I'm going to have to do some soul searching on my Manny Machado ranking uh, this afternoon because I like what I said. He's obviously a good baseball player, very good baseball player. He's got a 750 OPS. He's basically been a 750, 770 OPS guy away from Camden Yards most of his career. He's not running. I'm not sure he's a startable third baseman or shortstop in a 12-team points league. The the stolen bases, I think, are a key. Because you look back at the last 365 days, he has 29 homers, 12 steals, 270 batting average. That's a starting caliber player. But once you start stripping away some of the stolen bases, if he's a three or four stolen base guy, and I think that's not due to ability. I think that's due to just the Padres don't want him running. Then things start to get a little dicier. Um, I, I think I would still rather have him than Austin Riley, but I don't feel great about it. It would give me a lot of indigestion and I would never make that trade. Maybe I was a little too quick to say in a second, I would rather have Vlad over Riley. I think if you're trading Riley, you need to do better than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, what about Jose Ramirez? Yeah, I would do it. I would. (laughs) See, I'm not sure Chris is selling high on Austin Riley. (laughs) Well, it's just, I, I don't think that's selling high right now. Ugh. Like I think it's a buy low, sell high. I, th- I think you've got a chance. You're trying to sell. Yeah. I just. 
Well, what, yeah, what are you gonna, what are you gonna try one. to get? But like, give me Ronald Acuna for Austin Riley. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, I would try to do that. Ronald Acuna is in the luck. midst of a deep slump. If you're trying to sell high, that's what you try to do. Not Jose Ramirez, who hasn't been good in five months. Uh, all right, if you want to aim higher, that's fine. But I would say, I guess I would just say, if I were ranking players rest of season, maybe I'm an idiot, but I would still rank Jose Ramirez ahead of. I would too. Austin I just Riley. I don't think that I I would try for something with less risk. Okay. And I think that's the point Scott makes in his column is it's about mitigating the risk of Austin Riley, not necessarily just getting him off. I just really can, I, can we just for the rest of the show just me throw names at Chris and put him in agony because this has been like my favorite part of the show. This is why I don't do rankings anymore. <laughs> like I I had that choice and I decided not to do rankings. That sounds like such I don't a great enjoy choice. that process. That that is a what great about Bryce choice. Harper? I'd rather have Harper. Okay. Okay, so other youngsters, like, should Eloy Jimenez be 91% owned? Should Victor Robles be 95% owned? Yeah, you got bench spots. Those are the t- exactly the type of players that I would want to have on my bench because I think that either, like, either could be really good. Eloy has not shown us anything that, that says that other than his entire minor league pedigree. Right. Uh, Michael Chavis, should he be 86% owned? He's second base eligible, yes. Yep. Clint Frazier, 68% owned. He homered yesterday after pouring his heart out to the media. And Kevin Biggio, 55% owned. Only one extra base hit, I believe. Is that? I'm not sure that's right. Might be right with Kevin Biggio. He, right. he hasn't been very good. Um, no. Yeah, what um, do you think about Frazier? I don't Biggio? think either of them are over owned. I think Frazier very shortly could be yeah. the most dropped player. Well, yes, if John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge get healthy and Brett Gardner and Aaron Hicks stay healthy, but the odds of that happening are, like, for more than a week in a, at, at once seems really low. Nah, but he, he just can't play the field. So, you know, he just, he's so bad. Uh, I think there's a chance he gets traded, though, and uh, we'll see Yeah, what kind of hitter he is. Okay, uh, let's just kind of uh, fly through some things from yesterday. Uh, Francisco Lindor and Fran Mil Reyes, double dongers. Thoughts? They're good. I. What's Fran Mil Reyes' playing time looked like over the last couple of weeks? That that's yeah. always going to be the concern for me. Fairly it, it's consistent. It's not a concern about talent at all. Fairly consistent. He's been an yeah, inconsistent like he's, player, but he plays a lot. Yeah, if he's playing. 85 to 90 percent of the games i think he's a must own in every categories league i think he's i i have zero concerns about his talent i think he's good i'm curious what we think his like true talent level babip is um because he's got a sub 300 on base right now and part of that's because he has a 244 babip but he does sell out for power so is if he's a 270 guy he might still be a guy that's going to hurt you in terms of walks to strikeouts Guys, can we go fast on this next segment here? Some outfielders that you might want to consider picking up. Avi Garcia, 56% owned. Avi Zael Garcia, 56% owned and having a really good year. Kyle Schwarber, 61% owned. Since becoming the leadoff hitter on May 16th, ha- hasn't been quite as good as I thought. He's been number 20 in points, number 30 in roto at outfield. Uh, batting 216, but with six home runs since May 16th and uh, 12 walks. Ramon Laureano and Derek Fisher. Laureano, 26% owned. Derek Fisher, 7% owned for the Astros. He's been good. Uh, do you see anybody who's under-owned here? Garcia, 56%. Schwarber, 61%. Laureano, 26%. Fisher, 7%. 
Garcia and Fisher for sure, and I think maybe Loriano. Yeah, I think Loriano should probably be closer to forty to forty-five. I I I don't necessarily disagree that he may not have the upside for three outfielder leagues, but I have a hard time believing there are sixty outfielders people are starting that are better than him. Yeah, and I think Fisher's someone you want to be using in a in a deeper categories league, and that should include more than seven percent of leagues, at least until the Astros get healthy. Can they get going? Three hitters who have been really frustrating this year. Do you think they're going to snap out of their slumps soon? Joey Votto, Yasiel Puig, and Matt Carpenter. Most likely to succeed. Or how about this? If you were just going to draft today, in what order would you draft Votto, Puig, and Carpenter? Carpenter, Puig, Votto. Votto, Carpenter, Puig. Carpenter, Puig, Votto, Votto, Carpenter, Puig. All right, this uh, this requires some discussion then. Still Votto first, huh? Yeah, Chris. Votto last for Heath. Yeah, I don't see any reason to take Yasiel Puig over Joey Votto. I, I, he's been as bad as Joey Votto has been, and he has been decidedly not good. Yasiel Puig has arguably been the worst player in baseball this season. What? Um, you got look. You guys said that about someone last week, and we got an email that pointed out that you did not talk about Danny Jansen. And as long as Danny Jansen is still playing. You can't talk about any hitters as being the worst. Yasiel Puig. He's uh, nine, Chris Owings he's also was still steals. bad. He got cut and had the 12th worst uh, weighted run created plus of any player in the last 12 years. Yasiel Puig has seven more home runs than Joey Votto, and he has, a, he has seven steals this year. I'd rather have Puig. I, well, the thing is, I trust Puig more than Votto to turn it around. Why? Because he has a track record. <laughs> Excuse me. And and Vado's in and Vado is no Excuse longer. Excuse me. Hold on. Vado is no longer in his prime. Vado is no longer in his prime. I think like this time Look, last the, year. The track record thing was bad. You're gonna take that back, right? No. Josiel Puig has a track record of being a slow so starter. So does Joey Vado as well. Right, but like Joey Vado's track record Puig. doesn't mean as much to me because oh, I think he's. Oh, over the, I think he's over the hill. Like I like Josiel Puig, but his track record is. Marked by inconsistency, and last year he was good for two and a half months. He was abject, ab, uh, an abject disaster. Uh, I got stuck between when? two words yeah. last year for the first two months. Yeah, for right. the first two He's months. He's a of slow the starter. That's his track record. I'm not saying I have we total. Same thing for this, Votto. This is yeah, more like about. That, this is more to me about. I, I don't really have much faith in Joey Votto anymore, especially with the power. That's Votto. how I feel too. Just don't cite track record. Well, I think that the track record of Puig being a slow starter and the fact that he still runs and homers a little bit gives me more faith in him than Joey Votto, who I just kind of think is done. I think he's... But I do think in Roto, Puig has been considerably better than Votto. Sure. I don't, I don't doubt that because of the stolen bases and, and the home runs, but there's a lot... I mean, fine. Like I, I don't think it's a huge difference, but I, I don't see much reason to be much more optimistic about Yasiel Puig than I, Joey Votto. I was more, like, I I kind of understood why you would put Votto ahead of Puig, because, um, like, Votto was one of the best hitters in baseball over the last decade. I, I was more worried about you sure. putting Votto ahead of I, Carpenter. I, that's the one that I decided on at the last minute, and I can absolutely make a case for Carpenter over Votto. I, I think that that's a good point. Something I've noticed, uh, I'm sorry, something I've noticed for Carpenter, though, is that he is sat against like three of the last four lefties they've faced. He's actually been better against lefties this year. 
And those four lefties, I mean, the, the Cardinals did not face a lot of them. But we just haven't really noticed it because it's been spread out. But that's actually a huge deal. I don't think he's going to sit against lefties. But I'd like to see. I don't know the next time they face a lefty. It might be tonight for all I know. I'd really like to see. If you're like sitting there going, should I, tr- should I buy low on Matt Carpenter? I think we need to know if he's going to play against left-handed pitchers. I suspect he will. But I do need to mention that three of the last four lefties they've faced, he's been on the bench. All right. Uh, we sort of ran out of time today. We have about four minutes left. So let's go through some pitchers. Rotation part one. Uh, okay, rank them. Strasburg, Ryu, Castillo, Bieber, Hendricks. Hendricks with another great start. Strasburg, Ryu, Castillo, Bieber, Hendricks. I believe Hendricks had one fewer swinging strike last night than his career high. No. He's been awesome for a while, but I think he's probably last among this group. I'll go Ryu, Strasburg, Castillo, Bieber, Hendricks. I think Bieber and Hendricks is close. Uh, yeah, I'll go this. I, like I have not decided between Strasburg and Ryu. I'm literally have to make that decision today. But I think that there's a couple of tiers here. Strasburg and Ryu are aces, and they're in the ace tier. Mm-hmm. Castillo and Bieber for me are still in the almost ace tier, but they're at almost the very top of it. And Hendricks is inching into that, but a little below those guys. Castillo, the walks have been weird. a problem. Yeah, weird. I mean they haven't really been a problem yet. They should have been. But yeah, he his walk rate is really high. He's and I I haven't checked this in the last two starts, but he is kind of one of those guys that we all thought was going to have a breakout year. He's been outstanding, and so we're kind of ignoring the fact that he's also been really lucky. Yeah, he should probably have more like a mid three ZRA, and his walk rate is up to eleven point eight percent. Uh, which is nearly double what it was last season. So interesting, strange for Castillo, but you still think he's in the you know near ace tier. So it's not like he's a sell high where you're like waiting. I for think him he to is implode. a sell high. It's got to be for an ace though. Yeah, but like there are lots of struggling aces that I still have ahead of him. Um, Nola, Cindergard, like that that whole group of guys that we had in the ace tier that have fallen. They've not fallen behind Castillo for me, and for a lot of people, they have. Yeah, I would, I'd absolutely sell Castillo for all. Anyway. I would go get Nola for him, for sure. Yeah. Rotation part two. We might really just have to give names here, guys, and, and sorry about that. We're uh, a little behind time today. Tanaka, Bumgarner, Frankie Montas, Griffin Canning, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Wade Miley. Uh, all these guys owned in more than 80% of leagues. Tanaka, Bumgarner, Montas, Canning, Rodriguez, Miley. Bumgarner really testing that theory of if you get a quality start every single time you pitch, but also go six innings and give up three runs, are you a good pitcher? <laughs> six innings. That's just what he every, does. Every time he pitches, it's six innings. It's crazy. And it's just about always either three, somewhere between two and four runs. Yeah. Yeah. He's just four or five. Um, right. He's not like he's fine. I think he's probably the best pitcher of this group moving forward, but I don't think it's a big gap. I'd probably go Bumgarner, Montes, uh, Tanaka versus Canning is really interesting. And and even Miley in that discussion, I think, is really interesting. Um, but I think Bumgarner and Montas for sure are my my top two in this group. Bumgarner, Montas, and Tanaka are the only three that I'm certain are going to be must-own rest of season. That's it for today's episode of Fantasy Baseball Today. Thank you for listening, everybody. When we come back on Thursday's show, we will have some trade talk for you. Buy low, sell high, buy high. Chris is filling in for Heath, so Chris, you have to do a little bit of homework tonight. 
you have to get some trade candidates going, and you get to make fun right. of, you get to make fun of Scott when he doesn't have any trade candidates when we start the show. Thank you to Kreef. Thank you all for listening. I'm Adam Azer. Talk to you on Thursday on Fantasy Baseball Today.